Bibles this morning to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, and the third in our installment on this series on the book of Ruth. Would y'all tell Brother Subwoofer next door that he can... Yeah, that's only one of them. He can still have the same effect without making us older people lose a filling. Would you tell him... You have not because you ask not. See, you just got to ask. Y'all stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. And it's back. Ruth chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. We'll read 6, 7, and 22 to capture the idea of this morning's message entitled Home. Then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. Verse 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. If you remain standing for just a moment, then I'll let you be seated, and you don't have to stand again unless you just need to. In part one, we talked about the word kingship, where Elimelech, whose name means God is my king, this man was called something that he was not being called a Christian and not living a life surrendered to Christ. His life contradicted his name, his choices contradicted uh, his testimony. And to escape a temporal problem, he paid eternal consequences. He left the house of bread to move to Moab because in his heart, God was supposed to provide bread. They're living at Bethlehem, the house of bread. There was no bread, but Moab had bread. And to solve a temporal problem, he compromised and moved to a place that was fully idolatrous. God described Moab as his wash pot. It was a place where children were sacrificed in public. We do it now behind the closed doors of Planned Parenthood. But they did it in public and burnt the children alive on the arms of Molech. And this man decided that, you know, well, I've got to preserve my family because you got to do what you have to do. And it wasn't the famine that killed him, but it was his choices. And we encouraged you that if God's going to be your king, let him be the king. And whoever's the final authority in your life, that is your king. We then talked about bitterness last week and Naomi and uh, how circumstances had poisoned her heart and her name meant pleasant and bright countenance, but she had become bitter and you could tell it in her words and her attitudes and she could not see the beauty around her and she could not receive the love that was being given to her and we talked about the poison of bitterness. But this week my, my assignment is simple. I want to speak to you about home. Now, Naomi and Ruth, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. We got people, Lord, he's going to be going through the introduction. 
There's a type here. This is separate from the sermon, but I need to interject it here. You always want to look for the biblical narrative, the biblical theme of salvation. Naomi was a type of the Israelites who turned away from Jesus Christ and God brings them back. Ruth is the type of the Gentile, you and I, that had Naomi not been turned away from, God would not have went to the Gentiles and the drawing of the Gentiles into uh, Bethlehem with Naomi, the Jews and the Gentiles together making one new man. Beautiful type. Orpah, the type of person that draws near and close but falls away. So it's beautiful, the analogy there. But that's not my assignment today. There are four primary characters and then I want to share with you just three points. And you may find yourself as one of these today. Elimelech, Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi. Elimelech is the type of person who once knew God, but whose choices separated him from the God he said he knew. And his choices, listen, distance him from God, God's people, and God's presence. You could also add provision, protection, and all of those things. Orpah is a type of person who traveled the path towards God. She heard of him. She considered him. She had relationship with his people. And she was given the opportunity to know God fully, but she turned away. That's the person that visits church that never surrenders to Jesus Christ. They feel the Holy Spirit in service, but they've never received the Holy Spirit as a gift of grace to their life. Ruth is the type of person who, when hearing about a God that she did not know, she forsakes everything to know him fully. She left her people. She left her family. She left the familiar. She left the known for the unknown. She turned her back on this world as she knew it so that she might more fully know God. And then there's the type, Naomi. And that's who I want to speak to you for a few moments about this morning. The type of person who knows God and knew him well, but for a variety of reasons spent many years away from him and his people, only to find that God was turning her heart back towards him and home. And it is this person I preach to today. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself? Because, see, this is a spiritual dynamic that happens here. Man's clever hashtags and words can't help you. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that makes the word of God come alive in your heart. And without that, I'm just a, a clanging symbol. And so let's just ask and pray for not only me, but for you, a, a, a tongue to speak and a heart to hear, ears to hear. Father, we just position ourselves to you and we ask you, Lord, that you would do that which we cannot do. Speak to the deepest part of who we are, like water finding the lowest place. Let your words find root deep in our heart. May we come alive by grace. Lord, our weeks are too long and our bodies are too tired. We did not come to this house for fellowship alone. We did not come to see what you got for our families, what activities, what groups. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice and feel your spirit. And we want to be changed and quickened. Let the supernatural take place in our heart by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
What is it that turns a wayward heart back home to God? And before we answer that, why would a person leave? For those of you that have been in this room and you're in this room and you've been saved for a while and you've had those patches of distance, sometimes it's a mile, sometimes it's hundreds of miles away from God. Don't get hung up in the whys because the whys are numerous. The whys appeal to uh, reasoning and dead people convince other dead people or dying people convince other dying people of the rationale of the why that they left God when any sane person would say that's foolishness. The why is not important. But I want to talk to you about the why or how did you come back? Could it be that while you weren't thinking of him, he was thinking of you? Could it be while you were resisting, he was drawing? Could it be that while you slept, his eyes were upon you and wooing and changing? Could it be that the doors that were closed in your life, that you see it as just Murphy's law, could it have been the law of God? Could it have been God keeping you from moving you into? What is it that turns a wayward heart back home to God? Well, first and primarily, it's the Lord. But what does God use? What are the, the, what are the arrows in his quiver? What does God use to get to the heart of the issue for you? I believe Naomi was turning back to God because of how much she had lost. There is always, when, when a person leaves God, like the prodigal, departure always turns to distance. Distance turns to greater distance, and greater distance leads to famine. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And when we ventured away from God, we pay high price tag. Sin finds us out, like it says in the book of Numbers. Sin will find you out in your mind. It'll find you out in your body. It will find you out in your countenance. It will find you out in your words. It will find you out in your direction and the pace of that direction. Sin produces commercials of your distance. And the cost is high. I've watched with now, you know, the older you get, you know, you don't uh, get old by being a fool. It's been said. You, you watch. And I watch... And I want to say this in the right context. I'm not judging other people. But when you watch people's lives, it's like going golfing, which I can't golf because I hit too many home runs when I golf, you know. And, uh, if I grew tomatoes, they'd come up sliced right out the ground, you know. So, to do, do, so when you golf, if the guy in front of me putts and it breaks right, and the next guy putts and it breaks right, and the next guy puts and it breaks right. When I get up to come, I say, you know, <laughs> when it's my turn, I said, I might want to aim this a little bit left because it breaks right. Let me tell you what sin does. I've watched it over and over and over. It costs people their youth, their productive years. It costs them their sanity. It costs them their homes. It cost them their marriage. It cost them their dreams. 
Sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. Then the check comes. And the check is always more than you wanted to pay. I believe she lost so much. She had buried her husband. She had lost her family. She had lost her friends. She buried her sons. I believe that the the cumulative cost of living away from God was too high. What turns a wayward heart back to God? They turn back because what they've buried. Now there's a difference between losing something and burying something. When you bury something, it's not coming back. When you bury a decade. Well, Brother John, the Lord restores the years that the caterpillar has eaten away. Well, the caterpillar didn't eat those. You squandered them. The man that abandons his children when they're three and he comes back on the scene when he's 25, when they're 25. Well, they can forgive him and he can humble himself and God can restore and do a beautiful work. But those years of those babies growing up are gone. Never to be gained again. And I think Naomi had had more funerals in Moab than she ever had in Bethlehem. One of the signatures of the person that lives away from God. I'm talking about the believer. The the person that knows Jesus Christ. Is they're always being exposed to death. They turn back because of how long they've been gone. We know at least... 10 years because after her husband died, we don't know how long that took. And then 10 years later, uh, her sons died. I hear people tell me all the time, I never dreamed that that one relationship outside of my marriage would have took a decade. I, I, I never dreamed that that, uh, trying meth for the first time would have took 15 years out of my life. I never dreamed. And I think when you live away from God, time just seems to exponentially go. And not only does it cost more than you ever wanted to pay, it keeps you longer than you ever planned on staying. I was born again as a little boy. And I did not come back home by God's grace, till I was 24. And I never dreamed that that first sip of alcohol at 15 would steal nine years of my life. And before you get on your, I'm free in Jesus, and you know, I can do what I want to do, all things are lawful. Yeah, but not all things are expedient. Uh, while you're on your crusades about rescuing and saving people, rightfully so, Alcohol has destroyed more people and homes than you can ever dream, dream. Anyway, 10 years. How long have you been gone? Well, I'm here. What do you mean I'm gone? Yeah, well, we can be here and not be here just like you can be home and not be at home and just like you can be at work and not be at work. How long have you been gone? How long have you been gone away from tenderness of heart when the preacher's preaching and you can't stop crying during worship and during the preached word 
How long have you been gone from those visitations where God fills your car as you're singing on the radio and you got your windows up because you don't, they can't hear you and you know people drive by and think you're crazy and one, keep one hand on the wheel. Worship with one hand, people. One hand on the wheel and the other hand up and tears. How long have you been gone from sharing your faith? How long have you been gone from being a student of the word? How long have you been gone You used to be the first one here, last one to leave, and now you're the last one here, first to leave. What's changed in you? Isn't it something that when we change, we don't think nobody notices, and then we just get caught up in the habit? That original you wasn't supposed to be where you're supposed to be now. It was the beginning point. You weren't supposed to go backwards. You were supposed to grow up into the fullness of him, all things, even Christ Jesus the Lord. How long have you been gone from passion, wholeness, holiness, faith, confidence, strength? I believe she turned back because of how much she had changed. It's one thing when other people notice your change and it's another when you notice it. I know, I know I'm talking to the choir, but if you've served the Lord longer than two years, three years, you know what I'm talking about here. You say, I used to not be like that. You're doing things today that you wouldn't even consider doing when you first got saved. How's that so? Because iniquity abounds and your love has grown cold and other carnal Christians are your standard now instead of the word of God. We're practicing immorality and sins. We've changed. That's why our, 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 our heart is not tender. Our eyes are not single. Our voice doesn't have power. Our hands don't have anything under them when we pray for people. Naomi was one whose countenance reflected and radiated the glory of God himself. And now she's just a bitter woman. One of the beautiful things about knowing when you've changed for the worse is you now have opportunity to act on what you know. People turn back to God because of the rising cost of living in Moab. Because of what they know. Because of what God is allowing to reach their ears. Let me tell you one of the things that God does for those of us that wander away unwillingly or unknowingly, and then those who rebelliously walk away. He lets whispers of grace find us where we are. We see some new Christian come to life in front of us, and it reminds us of yesteryear. We, we, we wander into a church service, whether it's our home or not, and we feel what we haven't felt in a long time. We see the work of God in someone else. They're having resurrections And we don't even have devotionals. They're seeing the hand of God. And we have to close our eyes to remember it. She heard. Now notice this. She didn't see with her eyes. But she heard that God was visiting his people again in Israel with bread. God uses his work in other people's life. To remind us of who we once were. We see that gentle man and we say, 
I remember when my heart was like that. Or that wife sees the, the, the woman that loves her husband with all her heart and she says, I remember when I did. Or you could say the husband loving the wife, same thing. When we see the work of God, and when I say that, a husband loving a wife or a wife loving a husband, that doesn't mean that it's mindless uh, servitude. It means that there's a God reflecting image of Christ and the church in the home and it's there. There's a peace that's there. There's a joy. Is, is, is there anything more obvious than someone faking happiness or a smile? That, uh, and you go, who do you think you're fooling with that? How's your capacity for joy today? I'm not beating you up. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm just asking. Did you know that your capacity for joy and contentment, any goodly, godly quality, any adjective you would want to use, your capacity for that is in direct correlation to your nearness to Jesus. I could quit right then. I preached. You can equate it to your nearness to Jesus. We turn back when we see other people receive. For me, I'll jump in the soup with you. When I hear a man preach or teach, I've done this a long time now, 30-something years. I am not impressed with theatrics or pre-planned, you know, right here in my notes, shout or, uh, you know, getting everybody to stand and clap along with you. But when I see a man stand and I see the glory of God on him and I hear it in his words, I don't care where I am, I'll bow my head and I go, me too, Lord. Visit me again, God. And that's not wrong. I'm not saying I want what he has, but I want that. I don't want his. I want mine. I want my. I want your sap to flow into my heart. I want your sap to flow into my words and on my countenance. I laid with my little boy last night in bed. The lights were off. Izzy was asleep. He was next to me. We were just talking about God, and he's so precious. He said, Daddy, I got to preach because your daddy preached and, and you preach. And if I don't preach, then it stops with me. And then I got to preach. And then my boys got to preach because the woods, that's what they do. They preach. <laughs> you know, Papa, I'm just butter melted. Just So we can't see each other. It's pitch black and I'm praying over him. And I said, God, just fill us with your spirit. And I put my hand on his head. And I prayed and I said, Elisha, you know what it is to be filled with the Spirit? And he said, yeah, God gives it to us. And I said, well, and some of the things he gives us are power gifts. And I, he's only six, but I'm just, it's like sprinkling all over, you know. And I said, and then you're able to pray in tongues. You know what tongues is, buddy? He said, no. I said, well, it's, it's the language of God, really. Someone say, what do you mean? Well, do you think God speaks English? Well, he knows English, but that's not his language. I believe I believe when we get to heaven, everyone's going to speak in tongues and we'll know what each other's saying. It's the language of the Spirit. That's what I believe. So, so he's laying there on my shoulder and I, I said, it's like this, Elisha. And I started talking in tongues for just a little bit and I can't see him, pitch black. And he goes, how'd you do that? 
I said, well, I'm just talking to the Lord. And I said, and Elisha, one day you will too. And it won't be so you'll be seen of people. It'll be a language that only God understands. And the one that speaks to God in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself up. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, for those of you that say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, the Bible says nonetheless that, uh, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. He speaketh mysteries unto God. It builds us. As a matter of fact, he said, you can build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So if I walk in a service and everybody's screaming in tongues, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything to me. But when I see that grandma with her hands raised, talking in a language that she was never taught, and it is worship unto God, something in my heart says, rain on my soul again, O oh God. Quicken me according to your spirit. Quicken me according to your presence. I don't care what they think. I want all of you that you want for me, and I want your gifts, the power gifts. I want the fruit. I want the language. I want the nearness. I want you, O oh Lord. And I believe when Naomi heard that, she thought back not just to bread, but that God was the source of her everything. Joy, peace, expectancy, hope, capacity, all those things. She thought, here's what I had in Bethlehem. Yeah, there were troubles. Yeah, there was lack sometimes. But look what she had in Moab. She swapped trouble in Bethlehem for tombstones in Moab. It's time to go back home. I believe the Lord turns wayward hearts back home because there's nothing to stop them. The road to and away from God runs north and south. One day it just dawns on you how easy it was to walk away from God. It is that easy to turn back and walk towards him. I don't have to give the devil two weeks notice. You just leave. You just get up and move. And I believe the Lord turns us back when it's time. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know what the law of diminishing return is? I'll speak to the fellows. We're going to get ribs. All you can eat ribs. First of all, nobody should eat all you can eat. If it's all you can eat, that's, that's not good. It's like I just, you know, I, 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 I've got two arteries that haven't clogged yet. Two more ribs, please, you know. But guys, I'm just appealing to you. Have you ever ate so much barbecue that like an hour or two later, if someone offered you a cold, greasy rib, you're like, mm. no. The law of diminishing returns tells you that your 63rd rib will not taste as good as the first one. You know what the Lord will let you do? He'll let you live so long in Moab that you don't want ribs no more. I'm grateful for every hangover. I'm grateful for every... And I say this, He knows my heart. I'm repentant and sorrowful for the sins that so easily beset me and the bondages that they created. But I threw up the world so much that I don't want it no more. And some of you, you're wondering, you're focusing on how long and how bad it's gotten. Could it be that the Lord has let you get sick on ribs? So when you turn back, 
He said, you ain't talking me into that. No, been there, finished, thank you, fine. It's just time. It's time to go back home. Number two, what pushed Naomi from a consideration to a decision? Thinking about going home and then going home. Because she could no longer ignore the facts. Because she'd had her feel. And then the memories. When you're away from God's house, we try to fill ourselves up with excitement. We try to... Um, we try to keep stimulated, you know, and young people and older people, there's some drawing lines and division, you know, how you know if you're middle-aged. People ask me, what's the age for middle-aged? I'll tell you. I'm just a plethora of wisdom. I'll tell you how to know. You can tell how young you are and how old you are by what excites you. What you doing this weekend? We're getting up Saturday morning, 4 a.m., and we're putting the kayaks on the rooftop, and we're driving out to the mountains, and we're going to go down those rapids, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to come back at midnight. You ask me, say, what you doing? I'm taking a nap tomorrow is where I'm going. <laughs> and then old other people like you, they go, you got an attic fan? You turn the attic fan on, crack your windows. How long was it? Were the kids out? You know. And then I'm going to eat a piece of pound cake. Ooh, man. The Lord knows that while you try to fill your life with exciting things, all he has to do is remind you of the beautiful things. Sweet sleep. A guilt-free conscience. Trust and expectancy that eliminates, listen, all fear. If there's one thing I want to impart to my children, I want them to be fearless. I don't mean charging to, uh, you know, lion country safari, just screaming at the animals. That's ignorance. That's not courage. It's not the absence of fear. I want them to have such a God confidence. They say, I don't care what tomorrow holds. Deal the next card. God is sufficient. Brother, if you turn me down just a touch, I'm ringing just over here. Just look. Because of her memories. And these memories, when God is pulling you back, they'll get stronger. They'll get clearer. They'll get more consistent. And they'll stir emotions in you. Now, I'm doing a lot of reminiscing today, but I remember going to a Baptist church downtown. I won't name it. It was 100 years ago anyway. It's not there. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys go to church because of girls. I know you don't know that. I know you think it's all spiritual, but, you know, girls ask, guy, you go to church with me? Go, yeah. And we don't care, you know. And I had three, sorry, Kelly, I had three girls ask me to go to church. Yeah, I go to church. I do church. Yeah, mm -hmm, sure. So I go to church with them. And um, we step on the campus. Now, this is not a spirit-filled church. It was filled, but it wasn't spirit-filled. What do you mean? Well, I can tell you, the preacher was asked, what's the anointing? What's the presence of God? He said, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you what it ain't. <laughs> you know, so this was one of those where it wasn't that. It was, you know, first, second, fourth verse, stand, sit, go home at 12 o'clock, praise him from whom all blessings flow. And the bells are dinging. Amen. And you leave. You're saying, this, this is what it was. This kind of, sorry, it's just what was there. I didn't know what he was talking about. I come on the campus 
I step on the property and start crying. They went, what's wrong with you? And I've always been kind of quick on my feet, which helps sometimes and it doesn't help sometimes. Sometimes if you're authentic and quick, that's bad news. You just tell your secrets all the time. And so I just quick on a lie. I said, well, my daddy was a preacher. And when I go to church, I think about him. And they're like, oh, precious, you know, pudding, you know. So you know. <laughs> I'm walking up the campus and I am sobbing. What was going on? I was remembering. I was remembering walking into my daddy's church and the tears would come down my face because I sensed the Lord. And I would stop at Westfield Baptist Church and I'd close my eyes and say, God, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. And here I am, as gone as I can be. And the memory comes in with such velocity. And it's like I was hooked up to live wires. Like, I feel you. How do you know God's turning you back? Because you're feeling something recently or today that you haven't felt in a long time. My sermon's not it. I'm just reminding you. I'm stirring, if you will. I don't even know if they have Shoney's anymore. Y'all remember Shoney's? S-H-A-W, Shoney's. Y'all remember the soup bar? Be careful, y'all. If something sits out for a day or two, just be careful. That's all I'm saying. Y'all, and y'all remember you go to the soup bar like 11 at night, 1030 at night. What's at the top? Like a thick, like a little piece of shoe leather right across the top. You remember? And you got to take the ladle. You got to do a little baptismal service. If you push the ladle smooth, it won't puncture it. It goes, and it comes around the spoon. Okay. It goes down to the bottom. You kind of push it off to the side, and then you stir. I told y'all, you see what, you, what you see is what you get. It's just simple. This is how I think. Do you know what a lot of preaching is? If I can get past the residue of all this mess at the top, and if I can just stir up what's already in you, and make you remember who you were, you don't need no preacher to put his hands on you. God has put his spirit in you. Stir it up. Wake up. All that's within me. Bless the Lord. Wake up, my soul. Bless the Lord. That's what God was doing with Naomi. She was remembering. Another thing that pushed her from consideration to a decision is that she missed home. And she did not want to die in Moab. She had watched her husband die in Moab. She had watched her sons die in Moab. And I have watched Christians die outside of God's will. You can get hung up if you want to on eternal security, unconditional eternal security, all you want to. All of that remains to be seen. God's the judge of the living and the dead. But I'll tell you this, they didn't die in Bethlehem. They died away from God, blasphemous and living in iniquity. That, that, all I know to tell you is that. And I think one of the things that happens is when we see other professing Christians die away from God. I'm not mocking you or judging you, but I don't want to die in a land that God hates. 
When I pull, if I have my choice, I want to pull my feet up in my bed at home. I want to look at my children, however old they are. My wife, if I could script, when I tell Kelly that she goes, that's so morbid. I said, well, that's how I want to go. I want everybody that's my immediate family to be around. And I want them to watch my countenance as I cross the line. Pull my feet up in the bed and go, let's do it. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? My elder brother, Jesus, conquered death, hell, and the grave. And I look at you in the face with no fear. Naomi missed what she had. And she did not want to die in a foreign land. Well, I don't plan on dying there. If you live there, you can die there. If our musicians would come, please, and our singers this morning. What pushed her? John, summarize it for us. Now, you've given us a variety of things, and, and y'all don't watch them. You know what y'all do? Y'all watch every one of them walk to the front instead of folk. Y'all pick somebody out and watch every step. Just stay with me. It's hard being ADD and preaching because I'm watching y'all do, you know, I'm like, quit. Stay. Okay. You're still doing it. Stop. John, what was the primary reason? What pushed her from considering to go home to a decision? Because she was an Israelite, not a Moabitess. I have used this phrase in my personal life. Listen to me. Stay with me. In my personal life as a Christian, I know 200 times. When I do stupid things, immoral things, or rebellious things, when I start to walk away, when I walk away, when I compromise, when I rationalize, I say to myself this phrase, that is not who I am and that is not who I want to be. And I believe she said, I am not a Moabitess. I may be living in Moab, but I am an Israelite. I'm a daughter of Zion. What are you doing in a foreign land? The hour is late, the night is far spent, and you're living in Moab. It's time to come home for you. Finally, what did it take for her to make it all the way back home to God? To make it home, you have to turn back home. You have to leave Moab and all the things identified by it. You have to believe that grace, that God's grace in front of you is greater than your mistakes behind you. You have to pay the cost of making the break and take the trip. You have to wave goodbye to some people like she did to all the friends she'd made there and to Orpah. Listen, I want everybody to go with me, but if none of you go, I'm still going back home. There has to be that resolve. I'm going to walk with God. Come what may. Whoever goes or whoever doesn't go. You will have to push through the second guessing and your decision, the what ifs. To make it back home, you can't stop short. You must finish. And the road back home to God can be a long road. It can be a lonely road. It can be a difficult road, a regretful road, an emotional road. It can be dry, colorless, with little beauty or comforts. But it always leads to God. The road back home leads to home. What she found out when she got home is that although she had changed, God had not. She got back home. Just picture this. So among this crowd today, I'm fishing for, you, you might be an unbeliever and said, I, I want to have a home. 
And you may pray this prayer today, but all throughout this place, all these ways you've changed, things you've lost, your countenance has changed, your focus has changed, your priorities have changed, your residence has changed, but God hasn't changed. And she come home, the first thing she says is, I've changed. And God's in the back saying, I haven't. And you think your life is over, Naomi, but your life ain't even started yet. I'm about to weave your story. See, you want me to sprinkle myself in your story, but I'm going to weave you into my story. And you're going to find yourself part of the redemptive plan of bringing Jesus Christ to the earth. Over. Over. Your life starts the day you come back home. Me, Naomi. Heaven's laughing. It'll come back. Just let her get back home first. Would you bow your heads and listen to the words of this old sweet Just get up and come. Come kneel at this altar. Come on. Those in the sanctuary, would you look this way? I'm not going to prolong this. But this is the thing you've waited on. And did you know pride in one moment could cost you another 10 years? May I present something to you, sir? If you were man enough to walk away from God, would you be man enough to walk back publicly to Him? To the woman here? If not today, when? You don't owe me nothing. You don't have to tell me anything about your past. But this is your invitation. God has stirred the soup of your soul and says, feel that? Come home. I'm going to change everything for you. Now, my hand means nothing to you. But what if this were God saying, will you come home? As they sing this with every eye open. You may be down way away or just away a little bit, but if God's touching your heart, I want you to come. The altars are open. Would you come?
God bless you, sir. God bless you. Would you come? Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Just once more. Come on, saints, if this is you. family would you stand with me right before Wade comes and I want to give a gift to some of you the lady the precious lady I had a chance to baptize today I said tell me about when you came to faith and she told me years ago she said but when I started coming to this church and I'm putting it all together it's like the, the Lord fanned the flames of those embers and she said I'm, I'm, I'm back if you're a year or less and you have a rekindled heart you were away cold, distant and you are en route or you're back home I want to give you an opportunity to publicly profess him today uh, he, he publicly died for me you can say that's me and I'm back in the father's house with no hype or fanfare, if that's you in the last year, would you just come and stand around this front in this place? Man, they're coming from everywhere. Look at this. Yep. 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 Look at this. Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. Who else? Come on. Look, look at this. In the last year, <laughs> he's brought me out and now he's bringing me in. It ain't just bring, getting out. He's bringing me in. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but it's like his hands are over the coals of your heart, Chris. He said, look, watch this. Watch this. And they've poured water on it and sand on it. He said, no, but watch this. Watch what the wind of God can do. And we're coming alive again. No man gets any credit. No man gets any glory. Home is not only where your heart is, it's where God is. And wasn't it wonderful to find when you got back home that your room was still there. That your seat at the table was still there. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse from sin. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Lord, forever, settle our feet. 
Let our feet be like the roots of a tree planted in the house of God with the people of God and the, and the person of God himself. Take from us, Lord, the will and desire to wander out of your house. When they ask us about our residence, say, my citizenship is in heaven. I live with God. No more to Rome. No more to Rome. No more to Rome. Wade, pray over us, will you? This Lord, would you send us forth in the assurance of our salvation? God, would you send us forth in the favor of your face? Would you send us forth in the pleasure of your nearness? God, would you bring us back again next week to celebrate again your faithfulness and your goodness? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to remind you that uh, service tonight and also Wednesday, we have our, our youth, children, and adult Bible studies.